One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. It's great to be able to be with you this morning. And uh, I know you all have been in the subject of prayer. And I want to continue with that same theme today as you all have addressed various aspects of prayer. And uh, today, I want to speak to you on the subject of the power of crying out, the prayer of desperation. And I'm going to uh, address my thoughts today from the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, uh, verses 1 through 13. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites with some of the Minuites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom. I want you to get that picture in your head today, what it would be like to experience this kind of news, that a vast army is coming against you. They're from, from the other side of the Dead Sea. They, he says, they're already in Hazan Tamar. In other words, they're already getting close. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and of Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, O Lord, God of our fathers, you are, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it to uh, their descend the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built a sanctuary to your name, saying, if calamity comes in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and they will cry out to you in their distress, that you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave to us as an inheritance? Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. What an amazing story and what an amazing moment. And first of all, I, 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 this context of this is so important to see the children of Israel living at peace in the land that God had promised to them. He had given them an inheritance, and here they are, they've come in, they've settled there, 
They've built their homes there. They planted their gardens and their vineyards there. They're living peacefully. They have a temple there to the name of the Lord. And it's interesting when you read this passage of scripture, when it references the word Lord, it's all in caps. It is the name Yahweh, which is the relational name of the Lord. So when they, they talk about coming before the Lord or to the temple that bears his name, they're talking about the relational name of the Lord. And here these enemies come in and the, the men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, and they're going to sneak up on them and attack them without provocation. And they have a crisis moment, the children of Israel do. And suddenly they are alarmed when they hear this news. Uh-oh, enemies are coming. They're only days away from attacking us. What will we do? What a picture. Because every single one of us go through moments in our life that are crisis moments. In fact, the Bible says this, that many are the afflictions of the righteous. And that would not be good news if that was all that the scripture says, but it goes on to say, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And as I, I deal with this subject today, the subject of the power of crying out or the prayer of desperation, I want you to understand something about prayer. Prayer is more than just a heady theological religious formality. It's more than something that we just bring into our life because we have a prayer list and we want to serve Jesus and it's just kind of one more religious thing to do. No, prayer is this profound relational component where we are able to cry out to our dad, our heavenly father in desperation and God will hear us and answer us. And that's exactly what Jehoshaphat was doing. He calls all the children of Israel together. We got a problem. We have got a major crisis moment. We do not know what to do. But then when he ends his prayer, he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And they lift their voice and they cry out to God. Well, quickly, let me just give you the rest of that story. They lifted up their voice and they cried out to God and God heard and answered them. And God told them, here's what you do. Tomorrow you send out the singers and the worshipers and let them go out in front of the army and you start singing and worshiping God. And that's exactly what they did. Doesn't sound like great war plan to send out the singers when an army is coming against you. But that was God's instruction to the children of Israel. Go out in front of them and start worshiping the Lord and singing. And the Bible says this, that as they worshiped the Lord and sang the next day, that God set ambushments against the children of Moab and Ammon and Mount Seir. They turned on one another and they began to fight one another and kill each other. So much so that when the children of Israel came, they had literally wiped one another out. And the only thing that the children of Israel 
did was to gather up the spoil and an enormous victory took place. Well, listen, I don't know if you're in the middle of crisis moments right now in your life. If you're not, you probably have been, or you certainly at some point will be, because crisis moments seem to find us. It seems to be part of life that you go through challenges and you go through difficulties and you go through these places where you could have never forecast, nor would you have ever thought in your wildest dreams you would enter into them. But there you are. You're in the middle of it. Just like the children of Israel didn't know that they were going to find themselves in that situation, but there they were. And when you face those moments, how do you respond? Do you just wring your hands in fear? Do you just melt? Or do you learn that there is a place that you can run to? I remember years ago, Sandy and I were raising our family. We had four small boys. In fact, Jared, our youngest, was a month old. And that meant that Joel, who was just before him, was 22 months old. And uh, the other two boys, Jordan and Justin, were probably five or six, uh, thereabouts, four or five. And Sandy had all four of them with another pastor's wife, and they were at a local public swimming pool. And she was fellowshipping together. And you moms know how this is when you've got the kids together. It's like herding cats. They can run around everywhere, and you're trying to keep your eye on them. And it seems like you have to watch in a thousand places all simultaneous. And that's the way it was. This other mom, she had several children and Sandy with our boys. And here they were for a moment, Sandy's eyes got off of one of our boys, Joel, our third son. And in a matter of seconds, he ended up in a difficult spot. He was literally on the bottom of the swimming pool and had breathed in water and had effectively drowned. And someone screamed out and said, whose baby is this? Whose dead baby is this? And they pulled this gray, lifeless body off the bottom of a swimming pool. Can you imagine? You imagine moms being in that kind of a position. It wasn't like, okay, we've got a moment here where we need to pray. Let's join hands and pray. No, that's a crisis. That's the kind of moment that affects you at the deepest possible level in your life. Sandy said she looked and she didn't even recognize this little baby. And then it dawned on her when she saw the baby. She said, that's Joel. And she screamed and cried, God, oh God, oh God. Well, they laid that little lifeless body on a towel on the deck of the swimming pool. And all Sandy could do was cry out, oh God, oh God. No one knew CPR. No one could help. The only one that could help was the Lord. And in that moment, Sandy called upon the name of the Lord. And literally in a matter of seconds, that little lifeless body began to sputter and cough and water came out of his lungs. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And life came back into that little body. 
I'm going to tell you something. That crisis moment demonstrates what I'm teaching today on the power of crying out. There are times in our life where there's no theological construct for prayer. It literally comes down to the deepest cry of our heart and we are crying out, Oh Lord, oh Yahweh, oh my Father, help, help. You know, God knows what you go through. God knows what you face. God knows how to intervene in your crisis moments and bring you the greatest deliverance. And that's what I want to just share with you today as we elaborate on this passage of Scripture. Jehoshaphat was in that kind of a situation. He was in a desperate situation. He was in a, a place where there was no earthly answer. He didn't know what he was going to do. Maybe he could have mustered his army together and taken on one nation. Maybe. But there wasn't just one nation. There were three nations. They had banded together and they were coming on them. And it says that he was alarmed because he had a crisis. In other words, he was seeing that just in a matter of hours, those enemies are going to be upon us and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So he just calls the people together and they cry out to the Lord. I will tell you something. To know you have this place that you can run to. You know, the Bible says he is a fortress for us. He is a refuge for us. We can run to him who is the psalmist calls a rock that is higher than we are. Whenever you walk through these kind of moments, listen, don't cringe your hand, cringe and, and, and wring your hands in fear and doubt. Don't allow yourself to simply collapse in unbelief and dread. No, learn to run to the Lord. Learn to cry out to the Lord. The first thing I want you to see here is that when you face those moments, those moments bring distress, distress. You see, crying out to the Lord as our God and our help most often is rooted in the fear or the anguish that the problem has created. You know, a lot of times we think we see problems come into our life. We want to keep all problems at bay, all problems away from us. But how many of you know that every testimony has a test? Every kind of problem that you face is really only an opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. We don't like the problem. We don't like the difficulty. We had just assumed we'd never face another challenge. Yeah, that'd be fine. But the truth of the matter is we'll never know the fullness of the power of God until we get into moments of profound distress. You see, those moments of distress create the environment where we cry out to the Lord. I remember walking out of our house one day and hearing a scream, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. 
I didn't know where it was coming from and I had to look around and it was our oldest son when he was about seven years old had climbed up to the top of a tree. He had slipped and fallen about 30 feet above the ground and was hung by his foot upside down at the top of a tree and he's screaming, Daddy, Daddy. He didn't know what else to do so he was calling Daddy. Well, I tell you what, I've never climbed a tree so fast in all my life. I ran across the, the yard into the edge of the woods where he had climbed that tree and I was up that tree, literally. Uh, I probably looked like a leopard going up the tree. I went up so fast. Why? I was getting to my son. And that's the way our father is. When we cry out, Daddy, when we cry out, Father, Lord, he comes to our aid. He comes to our rescue. There's a beautiful verse of scripture in James chapter 5 verses 16 through 18. And it, it says this in the New International Version, the prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. The NIV, the way that it's constructed in its language, really doesn't fully embrace the heart of that passage. The King James Version says, says it a little different. It says the effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous or a righteous man availeth much. Now, I want you to, we, we, we don't use too, too often the term effectual or fervent or availeth. Those seem a little odd and a little antiquated for our uh, lingo, but they really encapsulate the essence of what James is saying. Because the word effectual, fervent, is actually one word in the Greek. It's inner gale. Inner gale. Now, does that sound familiar to you? Does it sound somewhat like energy? The effectual, fervent, inner gale prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And that availeth much literally means makes much power available. In other words, what he's saying is this, that the inner gale prayer makes much power available. That, that, that cry that comes from our heart, that cry of distress. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. There are different kinds of crying. If you're a parent, you know what I mean. Your children cry, and there are some times you just, okay, you hear. There are other times you, well, it's a little more serious. But then there is this one unique cry, and when you hear it, you immediately respond. Well, that's exactly what James is saying, that when this cry comes from our heart, this cry of distress, this cry before the Lord, our Father. God hears our cry. 
God hears our cry. Isaiah says it this way in Isaiah 58, verses 9 through 10. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will call for help. One translation, you will cry for help. And he will say, here I am. Here I am. You know, when you go through crisis moments, don't you want to hear the Lord say, here I am. I'm here. Listen, oftentimes we avoid like a plague the problem. But really, we need to see the problems in a different light. We need to see the challenges that we face as opportunities for God to show himself strong on our behalf. So Jehoshaphat, in distress, cries out to the Lord. You know, that was pretty much the way it was. Most of you know the story of Jonah. Jonah ends up running from the Lord when the Lord told him to go down to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it. And he runs and he ends up getting on a ship, going, running from the presence of God. And he ends up getting cast off the boat and a whale or a large fish, the Bible doesn't call it a whale, a great fish swallows him. And we hear the story from the time we're in Sunday school, well, eventually the fish vomited him out. But we don't hear a lot of talk about what happened when he was in the fish. Could you imagine? But here's what it says in Jonah chapter 2, verse 2. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Wow. Wow. What's it like when you're in the crisis moments? Do you get religious? Or do you get profoundly relational and cry out to your Father in heaven? That deep relationship that God has given to us in the fact that we can come before Yahweh, we can come before the creator of the ends of the earth and have this place of refuge and know that he hears us. So that distress creates the cry. And it's not just a normal cry. It is the cry of desperation. The cry of desperation. In Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Paul is speaking here, and he's, he's emphasizing this relational component that we have. Just like you as parents know how to respond to your children when they cry out of desperation, your Father in heaven even more responds when you and I cry out to Him in desperation. And Paul emphasizes this for you. He said, For you did not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Isn't that interesting? We cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy God. We cry out to Him. In other words, the relationship you have with the Lord is what entitles you to come before Him. And you don't have to have formality. You, don't have to, you may not even have any words. In fact, I was talking to Sandy again, and we were re 
recalling that story I shared with you earlier regarding Joel. And I said, honey, do you remember praying? She said, honey, I had no words. I had no words. All I could say is God. Isn't it wonderful to know that the cries of our heart are interpreted to God? He knows exactly what we need. It's like there's a profound narrative attached to the cry of the children of God. The psalmist says this, that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. That word cry, what does it mean? What does it mean? Literally, by definition, the word cry means to shout, to utter loudly, to beg, to beseech, to shed tears, often noisily, to weep, to sob. Boy, if that's not a picture, if that's not a picture, isn't it funny Oftentimes, we face these difficult times in our life. We go through problems and challenges, and we have somewhat of a quiet religious response. I, I, I believe this, that in crisis moments, there are no introverts. It's funny. Even the most introverted personality becomes a profound extrovert when they get desperate, out of desperation. It may be totally contrary to your personality, but when you're desperate, you suddenly open wide your mouth and you don't care who hears, you don't care who sees. You're interested in one thing, getting an answer to the challenge that you're facing. That's what was happening to Jehoshaphat. That's what was happening to Sandy that day at that poolside, and that's what happens in your life and my life when we cry out to God. Charles Spurgeon says he was a great pastor, pastor of the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, a great church in the 1800s, had a huge voice and influence across all of the United Kingdom. But he says this, he who prays without fervency does not pray at all. Interesting. In other words, if there's no cry attached to our prayer, Spurgeon was saying that basically it's not prayer. It, it, it may be just a religious formality. Ian e. Bounds, a tremendous author, again, of the 19th century, says this, that fervency is the soul of prayer. In prayer, fire is the motive power. Wow. Fervency. Fire. And that's what happens when we cry out to the Lord. In the book of Acts, the children of Israel, uh, the, 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 the early church had been expanding. Acts chapter 3, they had gone, Peter and John had gone to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a lame man was there, and they ended up bringing healing to him. Well, 
immediately they were in trouble with the religious leaders who wanted to persecute them and they were called in and they were questioned, arrested. There was a lot going on and they had already in that season, there was pressure already being applied upon the church. And the church gathered to have a prayer meeting for Peter and John. And they're crying out. And they, they literally, in Acts chapter 4, verse 24, they hear the story of Peter and John going and ministering to this man and this man getting healed. And then the persecution that erupted on the heels of it. And when they heard this story, verse 24 of chapter 4 of Acts says this, and when they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. They, they lift up their voice. In other words, there wasn't this just this quiet, shy, backward sort of prayer. There was this cry that comes from their hearts. And they asked God to embolden them. In other words, not just to help them to keep preaching, but to make them even stronger. And when they finished praying, the Bible says the place where they were assembled was shaken. And they preached the word of God with boldness. They end up, God, they cry out to, to the Lord, and God hears and answers the cry of their heart. You see, out of this place of distress comes desperation. Out of this place of desperation comes dependence. We depend upon the Lord. Psalm chapter 86 verse 7 says this, In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Listen. God is our refuge and our help. The Bible says He's a very present help in time of trouble. But do we cry out to Him? If you know the rest of that story of Jehoshaphat, he was delivered. God brought him through. And that's the same story that Sandy and I experienced. And the times in our life where we've cried out to God and God brought the answer. Because it culminates with deliverance. You see, it starts with distress. It becomes desperation. It moves into a place of dependence, but it always ends in a place of deliverance. That's why the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 40, verse one, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me, listen to this, and he heard my cry. Oh, listen. Whatever it is that you're walking through today, I want you to know you have a Father, Yahweh, Daddy God, who hears the cry of your heart and will answer you. Let me pray for you now. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. And I just pray over every person who hears these words and watches this today that they will realize the incredible relationship that they have with you because of Jesus Christ. Lord, 
You teach us how to pray. But that's not formality. It's not religious perfunctory duty. It sometimes comes down to the simple cry of a sincere heart who is so in distress that it cultivates this desperate need for the power and the presence of a living God to come and help. I ask today, may that reality live with us and may we learn what it is to walk with you in such a way that we don't hesitate but to cry out to our Father to help us. And I pray your blessing today over these, your people. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn his face towards you, be merciful to you, and grant you peace. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day in the Lord.